Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. It is true. It's what, a month or something away? Five weeks. I'm not sure. It's crazy. It's very exciting. I'm keen to be a Smith. Last time being a Harvey. Well, no, not really. I'm not getting married tomorrow. <laughs> Hopefully not. Not ready. How are we going? We're good. Who's excited that it's a long weekend? Yes. Who's got plans just to sleep all day on Monday? Who's going somewhere? Doing something. A few people. Enjoy. Well, thank you for still being here. Not taking a bit of extra holiday. Well, yes, it is a break-free series, which the aim of, would you believe, is to break free uh, of old mindsets, of addictions, of things that are holding us back through the power of the Spirit of God and understanding our adoption in Christ. So yeah, Pastor Josh spoke last week on climbing up some mountains Um, And it was a great first message. And yeah, this week I'm going to be speaking on Galatians 2, a little bit of 2, but mainly kind of Galatians 3. But as I was preparing this message, um, I was praying, which is a good thing to do because we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the the power of God. Um, And I was praying for for the message and um, praying for everyone. And usually my prayer sounds like, God, I just pray that you give me these words that I can then like give out to other people and that people will be able to hear you through me, which is fine. I think that's an okay prayer. But instead, what I really felt to pray and what I really felt that God was going to do, I said, Lord, I pray instead that you will just simply speak to your people. Like God has paid a great price to be able to have a personal relationship with you. And I really believe this morning that he's going to kind of, you know, get into our ears and unclog some, some earwax, some spiritual earwax, and, and help us to hear from him, to hear from that still, quiet voice or from the, from the words that are written in the Bible years ago and to hear what God is saying to us. And that is my prayer is that we will hear And that we will believe, not just hear what God says, but that we will believe what he is saying to us. So if you're ready to receive that this morning, would you stretch your hands out in front of you? And we're going to pray together saying, God, I'm ready to hear and I'm ready to believe. Lord, we are your people as we sang before. We are your people. We are your church. We thank you that you have paid the price so that we can know you And that you can know us and live inside of us. And this morning, Lord, we want to hear what you have to say to us. We say, Lord, get rid of anything that is in the way. Any old earwax that needs to be cleared out, Lord. We just want to hear your voice this morning. Hear the words that you have for us and believe what it is that you are saying to us. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Have you ever been in a moment where you have struggled to believe what you heard. Jody and I were in one of these moments last Friday. We were going on a little excursion. We've got plans to redo our whole foyer, 
to redo all of the glass house, get in some new comfy furniture and things to value everyone who, who was in at church. And so we were going on a little bit of a hunt for some things. And um, Jodie had seen this ad on Facebook for some blue velvet chairs, right? We thought, okay, Lifehouse Blue. Not quite Lifehouse Blue. It was a bit like, you know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, we were going to, to find some chairs. And so it was on Marketplace. So we had to go to this person's house. And it was a little bit confusing. I'm very much a country kid and I don't really understand Adelaide very well. Uh, there was like units and streets. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess you get that here, don't you? <laughs> but like it was confusing. You just got to trust me on that. It was confusing. I didn't know, we didn't really know what was like, you know, the section number and what was the unit number. And then apparently the name of the street was also the na a name of another street next. It was confusing. And so we rocked up the, at this place that we assumed was the right place and Jodie pulled up in a big old car and parked right out the front of the driveway and we bravely marched up to the door and, and knocked on the door. And now you, you've got to understand that the person's name, we didn't really know how to pronounce it, but uh, the way that it was spelt um, was A-D-E-E-L-A. And so Jodie bravely says, she opens the door, the first words out of her mouth was, we're looking for a dealer. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're looking for a dealer. Is exactly what she said. You should have seen this guy's face, right? <laughs> His eyes grow wide. He takes a step back and with like, you know, raised eyebrows, he's like, a dealer? We did not believe what we had just said. We could not believe it. And then we started to mumble, oh, uh, you know, blue velvet couches. And he's probably, oh my gosh, what are these guys into? What sort of things on the market these days? And so basically he closes the door and we walk away in absolute hysterics. I don't know if I've ever laughed that much. <laughs> Jodie's glasses were fogging up. She wasn't even wearing a mask. It was like, we were laughing so much. We could not believe that we just rocked up to a random person. And obviously you gather from, from the story, it was the wrong person's house, right? That we couldn't believe that we rocked up to a random's house and asked them for a dealer. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that. <laughs> or a moment like it where you couldn't believe what you just heard. I, I hope the man didn't believe what he just heard. I hope he knew that we were looking for a couch dealer and not a drug dealer. Oh gosh. Have you ever struggled to believe what you heard? This morning, like I said, we are focusing on Galatians 2, a little bit of Galatians 2 and Galatians 3, where Paul is writing to the church of Galatia and he's sharing with them all these pretty full-on things. But in these chapters, he's actually really focusing on them believing by faith what God is saying to them as their forefather, Abraham, believed. And that is the, the focus. It talks about the importance of our faith. 
and believing what we've heard. So let's just get into it. Galatians 2, 19 to 21 says, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Chapter 3, you foolish Galatians. What a nice way to start that chapter. Who has bewitched you? Gets even nicer. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by, the, by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed by you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. But those who depend on the law make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For scripture says, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. That was a big chunk of scripture. But Paul... I hope you can see here, was clearly trying to make a point that it is our faith. It is our belief in what we have heard that we have life, life abundant and life eternal. It is through faith in Jesus Christ alone that we are blessed by God. It is not through our works. We can all breathe a huge sigh of relief knowing that we don't have to live under the law and kind of like Josh was illustrating, climb our way up this mountain to unattainable standards that we can never reach, that we simply just need to believe what God says. Have faith to believe the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and died on the cross to take our sins, to become our sins so that we could become the righteousness of Christ. We just need to believe. Do you believe what you have heard? Turn to someone and ask them, do you believe what you have heard? Paul says in verse 8 that God announced this gospel in advance to Abraham. And all through Galatians 3, Paul continues to refer back to Abraham. Even, I'm sure, um, Pastor Mark next week as he preaches will probably talk a little bit about Abraham. There's a lot about this man of faith. So I thought, let's look into his life and get a little bit of an understanding about him and, and see what we can learn from Abraham. So we're going to read about the really 
quickly, we're going to read about the second time when he got given a promise from God. The first time was in Genesis 12, um, but the second time is in Genesis 15. His name at this point was still Abram. It was before the promise of children was fulfilled and his name was changed to Abraham. So he's still living in this kind of waiting time. So it says in Genesis 15, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abraham basically is saying, your shield and your reward mean nothing to me if I don't have a child. What does it matter if you give me protection and wealth if I don't have anyone to pass it on to? We can get a glimpse of how Abraham, Abram sorry, was, was feeling at this point. We get an understanding that he was a little bit depressed. He kind of was lacking hope in what God had said to him, that he was starting to think and make plans for this other guy to inherit what God said was going to be for his children. Abram clearly remembers what is recorded in Genesis 12, and he was 75 when that promise came. We don't really know how old he was, but the guess is that it was about, he was about 85 years old, which is 10 years of waiting. No wonder he was feeling a little bit glum. All right, Genesis 15, it continues. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. Now this morning, rather than focusing on promises of prosperity or provision or miraculous answers to prayers, in this series, we're going to narrow our focus to what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about God in order to find freedom from wrong thinking. So it made me think, okay, I wonder what Abram believed about himself and I wonder what he was believing about God when God woke him up at this point from sleeping in his tent. Maybe he believed that something was wrong with him and that's why he couldn't have children. Maybe he believed that God was punishing him for something that he had done. Maybe, like I suggested before, he was feeling depressed. He was just felt like he was walking around with this, this heaviness constantly on him. Maybe he had no joy or ambition left, believing that there is no point in trying because he's never going to be good enough anyway. Maybe he believed that he was a failure or that he wasn't important. Maybe he believed he was just a big old joke to God. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you believe right now about yourself and what do you believe about God? Maybe you believe you're not important to God and that he doesn't care about you. Maybe you believe that you have no hope and nothing exciting to hold on to for the future. 
Maybe you believe that you can't keep going and that the weight that you carry is going to bury you. You might believe that you're a failure or that no one really loves you or wants to be with you. You might believe that your sins are too big and that they're going to linger in your life forever. Maybe you believe that you are your addiction and that there is no freedom for you. You might believe that God is punishing you or that the perfect Christ could never die for you. So this morning, the next question I want to ask you, what is it that God is saying to you that you just need to believe? What is it that God is saying to you that you just need to believe? You see, there is a big difference between believing God, believing in God and believing God. Right, believing in God and believing God. James 2.19, you believe there is one God, good. But I hate to tell you, even the demons believe that and they shudder. There are many here this morning who believe in God, but I want to know who believes God? Who believes what God says about them? Who believes the truth of God that is written in the Word? Who believes what He speaks? Who believes God. You see, Abram believed God, not just believed in God. Yes, that's a good foundation, but he believed God. He believed the promise that was said and it was counted to him as righteousness. In simple terms, this means that Abram's faith, not his works, it was his faith that helped make him righteous. Once he believed God and believed through faith that his heaven, what his heavenly father said was true, God turned his faith into righteousness. As Paul points out in Galatians, that it is a foreshadowing of what was to come. We read 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. Obviously, that is talking about Jesus Christ, he who had no sin. He didn't become a sinner to then die on the cross for us. No, he remained holy and perfect and he took upon himself our sin. He became our sin. It's important to understand that Jesus did not do anything to deserve our sin. In the same way, that we don't do anything to deserve His righteousness. It's not us who suddenly become perfect, just like Jesus didn't suddenly become a sinner. It's that the perfection of God gets placed upon us when we believe. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we literally become the righteousness, the perfection of God, our sins on Jesus and His righteousness on us. The word righteousness in the original Greek, it's helpful to understand this. It's pronounced dikaiosune, and it is the condition acceptable before God. It means integrity and purity of life, rightness, and I find this very interesting, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. The glory, the purity, the perfection of Jesus is now wrapped around the shoulders of everyone who believes. 
And that's you this morning if you believe in Christ, if you've accepted him him as your Lord and Savior. And with that, with the righteousness of Christ comes correct thinking, feeling, and acting. But who knows, it's not always automatic. In the Gospels, there's a boy who's been possessed by a demon and this demon often tries to throw him into the fire and, and, and try and get him killed. And so his father hears about Jesus and all the miracles that he's doing and he grabs his son and he grabs Jesus and he says in Mark 9, but if you can do anything, please take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replies, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes immediately. The boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And sometimes we need to cry out like that. When I hear it, I just think of the old Peter Pan movie. I don't know, I don't know why, but have you seen that? I watched it recently where there's these people like, I do believe in fairies. I do, I do, I do believe in fairies. Anyway, we don't believe in fairies. Oh no, a fairy just died. <laughs> but this... Oh no, it's horrible. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> this boy, this father, sorry, he cries out on behalf of his boy and he says, I do believe. I do believe. I do. I do. I believe you, Jesus. But help me with my unbelief. It's this process where we can actually say that to God and say, I do believe the truth that you have spoken over my life. I do believe I'm the righteousness of Christ, but please, can you help me to believe it? I am struggling a little bit. Can you help me to understand the truth that you say about me? Help me to believe your truth. Help me to walk by faith and not by fear. Help me to overcome my doubts. Help me to walk in the righteousness of God with correct feeling, thinking and Acting, Jesus says everything is possible for the one who believes. Not the one who is perfect. Not the one who's got their life sorted and they act awesomely and they're so, all these great, wonderful, perfect things. No, to the one who believes. Recently, I remembered this time from when I was like probably about 11 or 12, a time that actually had really kind of hurt me a bit. I didn't even realise how much I was kind of carrying these hurts from this time up into my adult life. But um, to set a bit of the story, I had these three beautiful friends called Elsie, Lucy and Kayla. Um, In primary school, we were like the little crew. We all loved Jesus and we created a group called Focus with an A, focusing on Christ at school. Anyway, these girls, how lame is that? Anyway, it was fun. Um, All these girls were amazing. Like they were these little skinny minis, so sporty. Like at sports day, they would run out of room of on their shirt to put ribbons. So they would start putting them on their hats. And there I was with this little, you know, participant caterpillar ribbon (laughs) just one (laughs) Um, they were good at everything to me I'm like wow how are they so amazing like they were good at singing they were all kind of arty and they were smart I was just like man how did I end up with these three amazing people let me illustrate this is our um, year seven formal how cute Sorry, it's so pixelated. Elsie, Lucy, Kayla, there we are. But you can kind of see, like, I'm not trying to 
say really bad things about myself because God loves me. But I'm just saying that I was probably a good 10 to 15 kilos heavier than these girls. And I was really, really aware of it. And I remember this this time when, you can take that off the screen. (laughs) It's a bit scary. Uh, I remember this time when we were having a sleepover at Lucy's house and um, all these girls, for some reason, were just like comparing and complaining about their tummies. And I just remember like being like, I can't even, it's hard to explain. I was just like so shocked. I'm like, you guys are perfect. Why are you complaining? Like, I'm so much heavier than you. Like, my belly is huge. I have huge cheeks. Like, I just remember this overwhelming feeling of like insecurity. I felt like I really don't belong here. Who like look at me? Like I just I just I didn't feel pretty. I felt the opposite. And I think that it actually just being open with you guys, I think that carried on for a long time in my life without me even really realizing it. I still felt this kind of a bit of shame and and inadequacy that came from that moment. And God's a really good God. He's a really good father. And um, he, he reminded me of that time, not to bring up feelings of shame, but to actually show me. He does this sometimes where he brings up things that, that might be hurtful from your past and he can show you his truth in those moments. And it was one of those times for me where he showed me that he wrapped me like in this huge, big, sparkly robe of righteousness. And it just completely covered me. And I just remember this feeling of, wow, like it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what's underneath. Like I don't need to live based on my feelings because I am wrapped in this promise of God that He loves me and that He died for me and that He made me the way that I am. And it was just this this beautiful moment. And that, that only happened recently where God spoke to me about that, about being wrapped in this robe of righteousness, that I that I understood that I wear His promises and not my feelings. And I want to talk for just a moment about Adam and Eve because they had this moment. Adam and Eve were the first people ever created. We read about them in Genesis. They had this moment as well where they were feeling these, this, this shame and this um, insecurity um, kind of because they had just done a really bad thing. They had just eaten of the fruit, the one thing that God had told them not to eat and not to do, they'd just done it. And they'd pronounced a curse on themselves and a curse on all of humanity, every future generation. It's the curse that we are born into. Um, and so when they realised that they had what they had done, they recognised their nakedness and they started gathering some fig leaves together and trying to cover themselves up and then they hid from God. And I find it really interesting that there was no other people, right? There was no one for Adam and Eve to compare themselves with, right? There was no TV. There were no movies. There was no like famous supermodels. There was no one super ripped or super skinny or super rich or super beautiful. No one had a better job. No one had a better wife. No one had a better husband. No one had a better home. There was literally no one else. And yet, they inherently felt insecure. Inherently, from the core of their being, from the moment that they sinned, they felt this shame upon them. The world was literally perfect. They had it 
all and yet they were still insecure, yet they still hid. No wonder we walk around with shame and insecurity. No wonder we can feel that because we have been born into that. And there is one thing for sure. We cannot work enough for ourselves to get in shape or to buy a better home or to find a soulmate or to make more money or own more things or have more children or learn more knowledge or do less bad things and do more good things to try and loose the grip of shame, insecurity, guilt, sin and fear. To that, Paul would say, Galatians 3.3, are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? It cannot be done. We cannot be made right with God. We cannot be made right full stop by trying in our own strength and flesh. It is through faith in Jesus Christ alone that we obtain the righteousness in God. It is through our faith and belief in what Jesus Christ has done. And it's nothing to do with us. Abram believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You see, that night when Abram got woken up by God when he was sleeping in this tent, God painted a picture. He said, Abram, my boy, come out here and look up. Look up at the stars. Look up at what is around you. Try and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. And you see, Abram, he looked and he believed. <laughs> A little bit of theatrics never hurt nobody. Abram looked and he believed. He gazed upon the promises of God and he believed. He looked upon the truth of God and he believed. He heard the words that God was saying as he was in that moment and he simply believed. We understand before this point that Abram was lacking hope. He was full of fear. He was sitting in misery and false beliefs. But then God said to him, look up, look up. See those stars, the ones that I hung in the places? Can you try to count them? Just as numerous as these stars are, so your family is going to be. Can you see it, Abram? Can you believe it, my son? Galatians 3.29 says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are His heirs. And God's promise to Abram belongs to you. This promise belongs to you. But not only this promise, if we can have those Scriptures up, Peter. There are so many promises in the Word of God. Like, I, we can't, there's way more than this, obviously. But let's just look at some of these. Sorry, it's so small to read. They look like little stars in the distance. Um, I have told you these things so that you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is a promise of God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. We know that God works all things for the good for those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There are so many promises that God gives to you for you to take and believe. He's not just got them there just, you know, to, for us to, to read and think, oh, that's nice for everyone else. He's written them there for you to take and to believe, to say, yes, God, I take that for my life. I believe what you say about me. I want to ask you again this morning, what is it that God is saying to you that you just need to believe? Maybe if we can turn the light off the disco ball, the stars. Going back to where we left Adam and Eve, naked and ashamed and hiding in the garden. What was the response to Adam and Eve in the garden the day? What, what was it that God said to them? He didn't say, oh, guys, you don't need fig leaves. You look great. Fast food isn't invented yet. You're amazing. Just, you know, be secure in yourselves and go out there. He, you look great. He didn't say anything like that. What does our Father do? He's so good. He said, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. He sacrifices some of His creation and He clothes them. He covers them. He doesn't shame them. He covers them. He clothes them. Like me, how He showed that He, he covered me in this garment of righteousness when I was a podgy, little insecure girl, which I still feel like sometimes, but I know He covers me. And it doesn't matter anymore what is underneath when you wear the promises of God. The old is gone, the new is here. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. They're needed to be sacrificed for sin. That's why God sacrificed those animals and they could wear the skin of those animals. And as there needed to be a sacrifice for them, there needed to be a sacrifice for us. And we know that Jesus Christ is our ultimate sacrifice. He laid down His life so that we could be wrapped in His blood, that we could wear Christ upon us, wear His righteousness upon us. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus became that sacrifice when He gave His life on the cross so that we can stand boldly before God in Christ, clothed in Christ, clothed in His righteousness so that when God sees us, He sees His perfect Son. Last verse, Christ rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. This is Galatians 3, of course. When He was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, which is us, through Christ Jesus. So, so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. God says to you, look up, look up to the hill of Calvary where my son 
died and bled for you so that you may know me and have life, life abundant and life eternal. Look up to the one who covers you in righteousness and believe. Believe and receive the promise. Believe God says that I love you. Believe that I forgive you. Believe that I've got good promises for you. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to worship. And then I'm going to tell you what those little pieces of paper on your chairs are for. But I want to pray. And I would love for everyone to allow God just to wrap His arms around you. To wrap this robe of righteousness around you. And for you to believe what it is that He is saying to you. It might be so simple. Like, hey, I've got you covered. It might be so simple as... I love you, I'm with you, I'm never going to leave you. All those needs, all those worries, I've got that. Let's tune our ears in this morning to hear what the Lord is saying to us. Father God, we, we stand before you now as your children and we ask you, God, to speak to us. Father, we thank you for these promises that you have given us that we can hold on to. And we thank you, God, for your sacrifice, for your son, that you have clothed us like you clothed Adam and Eve in that garments of skin, that you've clothed us in your robe of righteousness so that we can come boldly before you and believe and receive what you say about us. And so, Lord, right now, as we turn and worship you, Father God, I pray as as Abram had that moment when he was out of the tent and looking up at the stars, I pray that we will have that moment with you and that we will hear the promises that you have and not just hear it, Lord, but believe it. God, we do believe. Help us with our unbelief, Lord. Soften our hearts right now to hear and receive what you're saying to us in Jesus' name. We're going to worship. Thanks, Holly. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.